Good morning, Anchorage, Alaska, the Lore 48, and the rest of the world. This is Bruce Lindquist with his podcast, Wonderful Counselor. Hey guys, just want to thank you. We're up to episode 8. The podcast continues to go international, and I just appreciate everybody for downloading and just keep downloading. Um, also, I want to welcome anyone who's new to this podcast. I am a counselor. I have been for the last 36 years, and um, the podcast, though, was not named after me. Um, For those of you who've been listening to this podcast, you know that I'm a Christian, I'm a Christ follower, and Jesus Christ is the Wonderful Counselor. He has let me, though, go on these amazing journeys with people, Um, and it's been, it's just, it's been unbelievable, guys. It has been such... A joy as people trust me with their story and I get to take this uh, journey with them and um, it's a journey of pain it's a journey of self-reflection it's a journey of trust it's a journey of healing and uh, it's just there's not a better job in the whole world there's not a better calling in the whole world and to journey with a person right where they're at and bring God with you. All right, so um, this podcast today is going to be a little more lighthearted than usual. I, I, I know I've been kind of doing podcasts that are pretty intense, but there's a lot of intense things going on. If you haven't been listening to my podcast, there are seven podcasts before then, and they're they're all really about... Um, different people introducing us to Jesus. And this podcast is going to be a little bit different. This podcast is going to focus in on a sermon that I would give if I was told that I had one message to give to the world and that was it if I could somehow talk to the entire world about Jesus, this would be the message that I I would give. So I'm very excited about bringing it to you guys. It's going to be a shorter podcast than usual. I also want to acknowledge those countries that have really continued to download the podcast. Um, That would be Germany and the United States. That would be Brazil, um, France, um, Austria. Um, I'm missing somebody, Finland, um, Australia. I mean, the podcast has went all over. Um, My primary audience, though, is to Germany. And I just really want to thank the German people for um, downloading the podcast and being just so faithful. And I hope the gospel is going out to you. And I hope many of you are coming to know Jesus. All right, The Greatest Question, Episode 8 from my wonderful Counselor podcast. Do you like a good mystery? You know, one that draws you in. You try to figure out who did it. Books when I was growing up spoke about mysteries. They had sleuths that were my age. They were kids. The Encyclopedia Browns and the Nancy Drews. I used to enjoy also playing the game Clue. Was it Miss Carlet with the knife in the library? I love mysteries, of course. And the end of the game... It was like Peter Sellers, as Inspector Clouseau would say, mystery solved. 
There's a satisfaction knowing the case is solved. Oh, that's how they did it. It was that person. Now, many of you may not be aware, but I grew up in the Pacific Northwest, and there were certain mysteries that just weren't solved. Did Bigfoot actually exist? We still don't know. If there is a creature there that hasn't been identified yet, or just a man with a lot of body hair, drinking a beer, and doing his best impression of Rip Van Winkle. And whatever happened to D.B. Cooper? Did he actually die when he jumped out of the plane? Or is he in Las Vegas having a drink, playing the slots, and enjoying his retirement plan? We don't know. In the United States, there are countless unsolved mysteries, like how many shooters there were when President Kennedy was killed. Or whatever happened to Jimmy Hoffa? Will we ever know the answer to that one? Of course, the mystery that haunts all of us the most in the Pacific Northwest is why they didn't give the ball to Marshawn Lynch in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. Many a TV got broken that day. Of course, no matter where you live, whether it's in the United States or another country, you have your unsolved mysteries as well. Did you notice that all mysteries have something in common? There are questions. You don't solve mysteries without asking a series of them. Sometimes it's, it's like the old Columbo episode. I know I'm dating myself. Just one more question, and then you get your answer. Questions lead a person to search for answers. And you can tell a lot about a person just by the questions they ask or don't ask. Have you ever wondered, watching the White House press briefing, why reporters don't ask certain questions that you were thinking about? Or why certain reporters are only picked? Sometimes we get answers that just lead us to more questions. As now we know someone told President Biden to speak to certain reporters and not to speak to other ones. And then that leads to the question, who is really behind the curtain? I wonder, is it Miss Scarlet in the Oval Office with the blunt object? Hmm. Maybe we'll find out, or maybe it will just go down as another unsolved mystery. When I reached the age of all knowledge, 14, my dad at World War II veteran said this to me, You think you know all the answers, son, but you don't even know the questions. As the story goes, and what many of us have found out, how did our parents become much wiser as we got older? I've discovered people who think they know it all and think they have the answers. They haven't arrived yet. Um, they may think they have, but they haven't left the dock. It aggravates me to no end when I talk with someone and all they say is, I know, I know, I know. But they're not demonstrating they have a clue. See, you can tell a great deal about a person by the questions they think about. How about you? What are some questions that are most important for you? I'd like if you're willing just to take a few minutes and list your most important questions. Now, these can vary depending on your age and your station in life. And here as I reflect back on the list of mine, as I was growing up, at age four, the question I asked was, why do my brothers tease me so much? Age five, 
When will I get married and be like my mom and dad, like all the big people? And will it be her or her or her? Age nine. Can I outrace this dog chasing me on the highway on my bicycle? And when I hit the car and fly over it, will I survive? Age 10. What happens when I try to skateboard down the downhill? Age 11. Will I ever be as amazing in school and as an athlete and as popular with the girls like my brother Mark was? Age 12. Why, when my aunt's husband died, did they say that my aunt was so strong when she didn't cry in public? Age 14. Will I live through high school? Age 17. How fast can I make my Mustang go? And age 18. And when I went to basic in the Air Force being yelled at by the training drill instructors because I didn't fold my underwear correctly, why again did I join the military? You have your list. My questions certainly have changed over the years. Now they're more like, will this body and mind hold out until I retire? Can I ever love my wife, this beautiful woman God has given me, the way she was created to be loved? Will my kids and grandkids ever be closer? And so on. Will I live long enough to see my 60th birthday in a few months? Or will God ever heal my loved one? Questions are not just about ourselves, though, or family members. But they can be around world events. Like what's going to happen to all the girls and the women in Afghanistan? Will someone help them? And will Americans be left host- held hostage, or will we get them out? When will schools stop indoctrinating our children to hate our country? And what can I do about it? And why in celebrating diversity and being so inclusive, we exclude so many who are not like us? Questions can be also haunting, like how many more babies in America will we genocide? Or will America leaders ever be just again? See, questions are quite telling, aren't they? But none of these questions are the greatest question. You see, in order to ask the greatest question, it needs to be greater than just you or me. It needs to include everyone. When I was younger, most of my questions were about me. And when you get older, you realize you're not the center of the universe. And there's this entire world out there. So your question needs to apply to all of them. It doesn't mean your question isn't important, guys. Your questions are very important. And it doesn't mean you don't deserve an answer to them. They just aren't the most important question because it doesn't include everyone. By now, are you getting a little bit curious? There are many great questions that have led to many discoveries, too many to name here. You see, questions could come out of a place of curiosity. It does depend on how you ask and think about the question. You could wake up today and say, I wonder what will happen, and be anxious as you wait for the other shoe to drop. Or you could wake up today and see today the present as an actual gift. You see, the attitude and motive and heart of the questioner are the source of the most important or greatest question. So what is the greatest question, Bruce, you may be asking? You know, 
You ask really good questions. Here's the surprise for you. For those who are following my podcast and who know I am a Christ follower, the greatest question isn't, does God exist? Or even, does God love you? According to the book of Romans, creation already speaks to the existence of God. So everyone knows there is a God, and they're held without excuse. And as far as God loving you, Jesus already gave his life on a cross for you. The question whether God loves you has already been answered at Calvary. You see, the greatest question doesn't come from you. Talk about take all the ego out of the equation. It never did. It never will. We can ask all the questions in the world, but it will not affect every human being that has ever lived or whoever will live. No, the question reveals the heart intent of the questioner. And at the heart of most of all our questions, to be honest, is we're pretty selfish. Most of us on a good day still have secondary gain. The human heart has no pure motive. And if we're honest, we don't have the capacity to ask the greatest question. So what I'd like you to do is, I've, I've asked you guys to do in, in many of my podcasts, I believe in what's called the sacred imagination. So close your eyes if you're willing. Many of you already have a sacred place you meet God. I'm going to ask you to go there. And then listen. He's asking you the greatest question. Take a few deep breaths. You're in the presence of your creator. He asked you this question. Let these words go down deep. Are you ready? That still small voice. The God who's your creator. Jesus who died for you. Holy Spirit that lives inside each believer. Says this. Will you let me love you? That's the question. That's the greatest question. It comes from God. Will you let me love you? Now for some of you, that was an intimate moment with your God. And, I, and I'm hesitant <laughs> to interrupt it because those are very powerful moments. But you can always go back because Jesus is there. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's there 24-7. God doesn't move. We do. He's always with us. It's important to understand when you ask, when God asks you a question, it's not a suggestion. It demands a response. You can say no. God, I don't want you to love me. Millions have. And God will honor their choice. But you can't ignore this question. If you dismiss it, you've already answered it. So for those who say yes, there is some clarification needed. I want to speak to those who are religious and take offense to the thought of God asking you for anything. Your argument may go like this. You mean the God who created everything, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one the angels bow down to, that every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord, to the glory of the Father, the God that can do everything? My answer to you is this. 
because I, I thought that, right? When, when, I, when God gave me this answer, I thought I was crazy because who am I that God would say, let me love you? And this is what he said to me. God limits himself for, on our behalf. Let me give you an example. In the Psalms, God throws our sins into the pool of forgetfulness. Does God have Alzheimer's? No. He remembers everything. He chooses to forget on our behalf. Jesus became a baby. God in diapers. Mary changed poopy diapers of the Son of God. That is limiting. Jesus said, You didn't take my life from me. I willingly chose to give it. That's God limiting himself to be a man on a cross. He could have given us a will. Um, he, he could have not given us a will to choose. But he chose to because in order to receive and give love, it is not mere sentiment or feeling, but a willful choice. Now, how do we respond to this? What does our yes to God consist of? Here, grace and legalism could collide if we're not careful. Your yes is to salvation. Jesus offers it to you, period. Which means repentance for your sins. Which means repentance for trying to be your own God and surrendering your kingdom to his kingdom. So you're bought with the precious blood of Christ. You entered into God's family when you gave your life to Jesus. As in the book I'm reading on following Jesus, salvation is more than a decision. It is a conversion of your life. The I love you to God answer is based on obedience to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You can't save yourself, and simply saying you're sorry and not allowing God to love you and change you into his image is not surrendering its lift service. And the Lord says through the prophet Isaiah, My people praise me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. God knows your heart and will not settle for anything but complete and total surrender. That is repentance. He's not saying you have to be perfect, but when you say yes to that question, will you, he, you let God love you, you'll receive his perfect love. Salvation is a gift and love is a gift, and it isn't yours until you receive it. You do that through prayer. Often the sinner prayer tends to not emphasize repentance. There's no salvation without it. Many Christ followers, including me when I was younger and at different times in my life, stopped with Jesus being my Savior. Got my forgiveness, no hell, going to heaven, can do whatever I want to do. But that's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't earn your salvation, but you also don't receive it by giving God lip service. No, if you truly are receiving God's love, it's on his terms, not yours. You know, too much has been made from separation by grace of Savior and Lord. No, when you come to Christ, it is both. Christ cannot be your Savior without him being your Lord, and Christ cannot be your Lord without him being your Savior. What God is offering you is a trans to be transformed to love like he does, to surrender your kingdom for his, and for Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. I was struck with the episode of The Chosen when Matthew says to Jesus, 
Will we be safe? And Jesus said, I cannot promise you that. 90,000 Christ followers die each year for their faith, for their Lord and their King. This is not a light commitment. Your answer will determine not only your eternity, but whose kingdom you will serve. You will, by your choice, either become an enemy of the kingdom of light or of darkness. God does not promise you another breath. He does promise you eternity with him. So here is that question again. It's the greatest question, and it comes from God. Will you let me love you? Will you? Let's pray. Father God, I ask now that you, with your Holy Spirit, touch the listener's heart. The gospel is not meant to be watered down. The gospel is alive and living And Lord, you ask us the question, and we can't ignore it. So Lord, I pray right now that everyone listening to this podcast would realize they have a choice. They can choose love, or they can choose their kingdom. They can't have both. I pray now, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would change and move and do what only you can do, that they would hear your voice, you would touch their heart, you would open their eyes, and they would truly see that they are loved by you. In the name of Yeshua, by power of Holy Spirit, to the glory of the Father, amen. God bless you guys, and I will talk to you in... October, when the next podcast comes out. I would like to acknowledge the author of the book, Follow Me, Experience of Loving Leadership of Jesus by Jan David Hedgina by Nav Press. Your emphasis on the kingdom has been life-changing for me. A special acknowledgement to my Air Force bomber pilot, lieutenant colonel mentor, missionary and disciple maker of the nations, Mike Schmidt. And to my forever pastor, Roger Schoeniger, of Healing the Heart Ministries. Both continue to invest in my life to be a follower of Christ. Your gifts from heaven, and I'll always be grateful. And you both will hear, well done, good and faithful servant.